is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? Recently, someone asked me, how do I keep the holy days found in the Bible? And I'd like to go through, hopefully, a series on just that subject. Uh, how, do, how do you keep the holy days found in your Bible? Now, in Leviticus 23 and verse 4, it says, These are the feasts of the Lord. These are the feasts of Jehovah, even holy convocations, which you shall proclaim in their seasons. Whose feasts are they? The feast of the Lord, the feast of Jehovah. So they're God's feast. They're not man-made feasts. They're not man-made holidays. These are the feasts of Jehovah. Now, it's interesting that after the return of Jesus Christ in Zechariah 14, verse 6, it says, And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So here we have, at Christ's return, when the millennium is set up on this earth, we have whole nations going up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles, which is one of God's holy days. Why is that? And how come very few people keep these days today? Now it is a fact of history that the Sabbath was abandoned for Sunday and the holy days in the Bible fell into disuse and were replaced with Christmas and Easter became the two major uh, holidays. Now, as I explain these holy days and uh, how, how do we keep them, it's going to sound strange, you know. It really is, because it's new, and you've probably never heard some of this stuff before. But I think, you know, hanging eggs on trees is, is strange to me when I see people doing that. I think it's very strange. I mean, I, don't even know, I can only imagine what an alien would say if they visited us, visited us, America, and saw people doing that. I mean, what, what's that guy doing? What's that woman doing? Hanging eggs on a tree. Why? You know, uh, hanging your socks by the fireplace and putting candy in, candy in them is strange, you know. Sound like something a drunk man, you know, a comedian, I forget who it was, you know, said it sounded like something a drunk, you know, I'm going I'm I'm to hang my socks by the fireplace, put candy in them. You know, it sounded like a drunk person would do something like that. So a lot of this stuff is strange, what we do right now. So as I go through this, the Word of God, it's going to sort of sound unusual because you, chances are you haven't heard it before. Now, the introduction to the Holy Day starts with the Passover. And all these days are hinged upon this major event called the Passover. And of course, in the King James uh, translation, that word Passover, they rendered it Easter, which is an incorrect translation. It's supposed to be Passover. It's a whole another story as to why they did that. But and that's basically the only Bible I know that does that. The rest of them have it correctly translated Passover. Okay. Now, what is interesting is if you ask Christians about the holy days, you know, if you ask the Christians about what about the days of unleavened bread, Pentecost, trumpets, atonement, feast of tabernacles, last great day, they'll tell you, well, those days have been done away with. They're, they are mosaic. They've been fulfilled. That's for Israel only. It sure isn't for us today. The word of God's not for us. It's for somebody else, but not us. Okay. 
Yet nearly every Christian keeps some version of the Passover. Did you know that? Oh yeah, communion, New Testament Lord's Supper, these are different names it goes by. Lord's Supper, Last Supper, uh, Sacrament, sacrament uh, Eucharist, uh, all these different names. Now the problem is you cannot keep some version of the Passover and unhinge all the other holy days. Because the, holy, the, the Passover is the introduction to these other holy days. And the holy days have meaning. They're all about Jesus Christ and what he has done, what he is going to do, and, and what he's going to do in the near future. So you can't, un you can't keep some version of the Passover, the Lord's, you know, the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, communion, and, and unhinge yourself from these other holy days. It doesn't make any sense. Now, Leviticus 23 and verse 5, this is in the 14th day of the first month at even, is the Lord's Passover. Whose Passover is it? It's the Lord's Passover, the one you claim to be your Savior. All right. When I see the blood, you know, I will pass, I will pass over you. The incredible symbolism of this whole event is, is amazing. Egypt is a type of sin, and they were told to come out of Egypt, and they didn't really want to go. They had to be forced out of Egypt, out of sin. Uh, the Red Sea is a type of baptism. They went through the, the Red Sea. Pharaoh is a type of Satan, the devil, that chased after them. In Exodus 12 and verse 13, it says, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. It's about a covenant of divine grace, forgiveness, and protection is what this event is all about. The Passover is about the work of Jesus Christ. Notice John 1 and verse 29. The next day, John sees Jesus coming unto him and instead, Behold, the Lamb of God, which take away the sin of the world. Now, I want to say, I do not keep the Old Testament Passover, okay? The Old Testament Passover involved uh, the killing of a Passover lamb. It involved blood. It involved uh, circumcision, uh, the eating of a lamb. It, it, it involved a lot of things. What I keep is something called the New Covenant Passover. And I'm going to explain the difference between the two. I'm going to go into detail the difference between the two. Now, obviously, as you look at me, I am not a Jew. That should be obvious to you. I am not a Messianic Jew. You know, I do not mimic the Jewish culture. I respect their culture, but I do not mimic or dress up like them. I think it's ridiculous when we think in order to worship God, we got to mimic someone else's culture. I mean, it's like, you know, a black person trying to act like a white, a white trying to act like a black. No, you're mimicking someone's culture. That is not necessary. God wants you to worship him just the way you are. Okay, so the Exodus Passover entailed a slaying of a lamb on the 14th of Abib so that the Lord would pass over the Israelites. The New Covenant Passover, which is what I keep, entails the reality of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. So let's take a look at it. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 7. Purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Now this is absolute proof that the church at, at Corinth, Gentiles, uncircumcised Gentiles, males, were keeping the Passover and the days of unleavened bread. 
Now, I'm going to talk about a little bit later a different kind of circumcision here that I'll touch on. But anyway, continuing on, I'm talking about the difference between the Old Testament Passover and the New Covenant Passover, which is what I keep. I keep the New Covenant Passover. The Exodus Passover entailed eating a meal, including a lamb. The New Covenant Passover entails eating bread and drinking wine as a symbol of Christ as the Lamb of God. Now, there are some people that keep what is called a Seder meal. And in Luke 22 and verse 15, it says, And he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now, Christ did eat a meal. Hey, it was like, you know, on death row, you get to eat your last meal. Okay, this is what he, he, he did eat a meal with his disciples. But he gave them specific different instructions that he would give his disciples in the future. Now let's take a look at it. Matthew 26 and verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it, for this is the blood of the New Testament Passover, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. So I want you to look at this table. This is a table set up for the New Covenant Passover that we will be taking uh, shortly in the future here at our church. And you'll notice it has the bread, unleavened bread, that is, that, symbolize, that will symbolize Christ's body. You have the little thimble of wine that will represent Christ's blood. These are the symbolism of the New Covenant Passover. Now, John 6 and verse 54 said this, Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Again, speaking of this, it's not literal, okay? It's not literal, but it, it's the symbolism of the new covenant Passover. Now, Paul began to explain about this event and how you are to partake of the new covenant Passover. In 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 20, it says, when you come together therefore into one place, talking about this event of the keeping of the new covenant Passover, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Yeah, I said Jesus did eat a last supper with his disciple because he was on death row. Okay, but notice what Paul says here. This is not to eat the Lord's Supper. It's not a time of camaraderie, good time backslapping. Ah, George, how you doing? Ben, it's good to see you, George, and appetites being satisfied. No, 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 no. This is not what this event is all about. It's a serious, solemn occasion. It's a time for self-examination. It's a very quiet setting. Uh, it's not a setting where guys are talking about changing the carburetor on the car and stuff like, you know, no, 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 no. No, it's a very serious, because of what it represents, the new covenant Passover. This is how you partake of it. Okay, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 21. For in eating, and every, everyone takes before the other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another one is drunken. What? Have you not houses to eat in and to drink in? What, what's he saying? If you have a house, you do it there. You do your eating and drinking there. Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them which have not. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? I praise you not. It's not a time to appease the appetite, the new covenant Passover. For I have received, notice this, I have received of the Lord that which I also deliver unto you. Now there's no misunderstanding this, okay? That the Lord, Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death. Notice that. You show the Lord's death, not his resurrection. This is not an Easter thing. This is the New Covenant Passover. You do show the Lord's death because focusing on his death causes us to focus on what? What caused his death? Okay? Now, what caused his death? My sin. Your sin. That's what we're focusing on. You do show the Lord's death till he come. Now, how often do you do it? As often as you eat this bread. Okay, how often? How often do you celebrate your birthday? Four times a year? No, well, you probably want to, but, but no, that's not... Okay, how often do you celebrate the 4th of July? Okay, how often do you keep the New Covenant Passover? Once a year, in its season, on the 14th. Okay, 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthy shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. It's a time for self-examination. And so let him eat that bread and drink that cup. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 29 says, For he, he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. So, I mean, this is a, a powerful warning, uh, instructions here for the new covenant Passover, that sickness and death can be caused by a failure to examine one relationship with God in a serious manner. I mean, self-examination is a way of life for the real Christian, and it can be a painful thing to realize. And uh, I, I think most would-be Christians examine nothing about the way they are living their life. It's all something that's been settled long ago. I, made, I raised my hand. I made that decision long ago. And from there, they don't think about it anymore. But this is a totally different event here when you come to partake of the New Testament Lord's Supper. It is about self-examination. And that's why it's a quiet setting. And uh, people will be sitting there reading through the scripture, reading through the, uh, the events that took place on that night when Jesus was crucified. So um, anyway, continuing on, that, look, looking at the difference between the Old Testament Passover and the New Covenant Passover, which is what I keep. Now, the Exodus Passover included the painting of the lamb's blood on the doorpost. The New Covenant Passover involves its participants being washed in the blood of Christ. Notice Revelation 1 and verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sin in his own blood. Okay. Now, the Old Testament Passover contains no instruction for foot washing. Did you realize that? Nothing in there about foot, foot washing. The New Covenant Passover contains instructions for foot washing. Notice, notice John 13 and verse 2. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Now again, yep, yeah, they did eat the last supper. It was the last supper that Christ would eat in the flesh. Okay. 
All right. Verse 4, he rises from supper and laid aside his garment and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. So what did Jesus do? Well, Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Uh, John 13 and verse 14. Notice what Christ says. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Now, folks, I don't know if you realize this, but there is no getting around this. You know, there really is. It's not. I mean, there's no getting around this. Uh, I can remember when I first came into the church thinking, you know, I'm not going to do that. There was a lot of things I thought I wasn't going to do, you know, like the Sabbath, the holy days, and clean, clean and unclean meats. I'm not going to do that. What are you doing? No way. Uh, are you crazy? I'm not going to do that. And then, then we came to this, uh, the, the, the foot washing. But, you know, it's about humbling oneself. It's about uh, serving one another. You know, the strange thing, I don't have a problem washing someone's feet. I don't have a problem being a, a servant. I do have a problem with someone washing my feet, you know, it, it's it, because I think men, you know, a lot of times we, we don't let others do for us and we're self-sufficient or so we think we are. And self-sufficiency is not a good, <laughs> you can't really have that in a relationship with God. Um, I mean, total self-sufficiency, we have to depend on one another. We have to depend on God, of course. But what I'm saying is, as we look at this instructions here, you're going to have to deal with this. There's no getting around it. Okay. Now, I'll explain what we do. When this time comes in our service, the New Covenant Passover, we, do, we separate men and women. The women go back in the back. The men stay here. And we wash one another's feet. Now, um, husband and wives, you know, if you're elderly or can't make it to this service, you know, you can do this. Husband and wives can do this at home. Wash one another's feet. Um, it's, it's, um, you know, it can get a little bit complicated. I mean, it, it, this service is for those who have entered into covenant with God. Now the foot washing, yeah, you, you don't have to be in covenant to wash one another's feet, but, uh, to take the bread and the wine, you have to be in covenant with God. You don't want to take that bread or that wine, uh, uh, if you have not entered into covenant with God. Uh, it's just, it'd be too dangerous to do that. So what I'm saying is, uh, there are fellowship groups who are keeping the 14th Passover service, the New Covenant Passover, all over the world. There are little pockets of people doing this all around the world. And um, the only problem is they don't advertise it because it's only for people who have entered in. You know, we don't put a big sign up saying, come celebrate the New Covenant Passover with us because it's for only those who have entered into covenant with God. And that's the reason we don't advertise it. That's the reason we don't, you know, run an ad in the paper, come join us. Because, you know, it, it, it is for those who are called. It is for those who are in the body of Christ. It is for those who have made that decision to enter into covenant with God. You know, so uh, anyway, continuing on, the Old Testament Passover entailed sacrificing lambs as a memorial of the uh, uh, of Egypt's deliverance. The New Covenant Passover is a memorial to Christ's deliverance of Christians from the slavery of sin. From the slavery of sin. Uh, 
participants of the Old Testament Passover were, were, they were limited to families whose males were physically circumcised, okay? The New Covenant Passover is only for those who have been spiritually circumcised, symbolized by baptism, okay? So you, you have to be, basically, you have to be a baptized member to partake of this event. In Colossians 2 and verse 11, it says, in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcisions made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, uh, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. So here we see that God is, uh, there's a spiritual operation that God is doing on us for those who have entered into covenant with him. Uh, it's called, you know, that operation is, is a, a cleansing, uh, conversion, uh, turning away from the sins that so easily beset us, that so easily trip us up, trip us up, you know, placing his spirit within us where God's spirit unites with the spirit in man and makes a complete whole man. Um, the process of conversion, all of, this, all of this is referred to as an operation that God is doing with his church, the, uh, with the new covenant Passover. The Old Testament Passover involved the quick killing of the lamb. The new covenant Passover involves the suffering of the lamb of God. And if you want to read that, and we go through this on, on the New Covenant Passover when we celebrate this or when we keep this. Isaiah 53, it talks about the suffering Messiah. These are some of the scriptures uh, that, that we read during this time. You know, as a sheep carried away to the slaughter and he opened not his mouth and he didn't fight back. Even though he could have, you know, Christ could have called 10,000 angels to stop this kangaroo court that was condemning him of <laughs> breaking the law, absolute insanity that was going on back then. He could have stopped it. He could have stopped it, but then we wouldn't have a savior. That's the only problem with it. We would not have a savior. So he allowed this kangaroo court to go on, to play, its, play out completely, and he was crucified and suffered for us, the Lamb of God. Jesus Christ, that takes away the sins of the world. Now, I want to offer you something. It's called a, a at-home Passover service or New Covenant Passover service. Uh, like I said, there are groups that keep this, and there may be a group close by you. But in some cases, people maybe who are elderly, husband and wife, who can't go to a service, they need instructions on how to do this at home. And... Um, like I said, if you've entered into covenant, you, you can do this at home if you've entered into covenant with God. And so these, these, this little booklet will give you instructions on how to do that. It will talk about how to prepare the table that I showed you a picture of earlier. It will give you the scriptures to read. It will give you the instructions you know, about the foot washing and all that and how to end that service. So it's, uh, it's, it's something that's needed today, you know, because I, I get questions about this issue and there's a lot of confusion out there about what people are doing, 
you know, uh, well, why don't we do this and why don't we do that? And, and what people need to realize is that, is that I'm not, I don't keep the Old Testament Passover because of, I keep, the, I keep the new covenant Passover where I follow the instructions that Jesus said, that the New Testament says about how to keep this. There are things that are different. Like I said, there was no instructions in the Old Testament Passover about foot washing. But it is clear as the nose on your face what Jesus said his new covenant church would do who are keeping that new covenant Passover. He gives absolute instructions on how to do that and how we should do that. So I hope this has helped you because again, it was the question of how do we keep the holy days? And here we're going into the new covenant Passover that introduces this is the introduction to the Holy Day season. And from here, we'll go into the uh, first holy day, holy day, which is the first day of unleavened bread. And uh, next time, I'll come back and show you how to do that. Anyway, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? What kind of holidays will be kept when Jesus Christ returns to set up his kingdom on this earth? Will the traditional holidays of our society be kept or will God institute his holy days found in the pages of your Bible? Find the answer to this question by ordering your free magazine entitled, Seven Holy Days. The greatest story ever told is found hidden within God's holy days, like a mystery that goes deeper and deeper. So each holy day reveals a deeper understanding about the mysteries of God and what God is doing through mankind. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.com.